By God, 55 episodes of the Rutgers Scout cast already. I am your host, Sam Hellman, the publisher over at Scarlet Report, and we have a fun one for you today. Today on the Rutgers Scout cast, spring practice, spring football is back, finally. When you have a 2 and 10 season, and you follow recruiting so closely, and some of it works out and some of it doesn't, it's got to feel good just to have some real football back, and that's what took place. Rutgers, as you're listening to this, is either one or two practices down of the 15 allowed during spring. We're going to talk about spring practice with some you know, injury depth, all that kind of stuff. Only so much can get done in spring, but to be able to talk about football again and player development and coaching and actually see it on the field... It feels good. So we're going to do that during the body of the show. But before we begin the, the football conversation, I have one of my favorite guests so far that you guys are about to listen to, and girls. And that guest is Antonio Lowry. If you've been a Rutgers fan for a while, you, you know the name. If you're a newer Rutgers fan, you might not. He, he finished his Rutgers career about eight years ago. He played linebacker, and his younger brother Antoine played on both sides of the line as well for Rutgers under Greg Schiano, and I believe Antoine played a little bit for Kyle Flood too. My numbers are not good though. So there's a couple reasons that I wanted to have Antonio Lowry on the podcast, and the first one obviously is because he has something to promote, and it's something that I want to help him promote because it's a great cause. You're going to hear about the event during the interview, but for those listening, Saturday evening at New Brunswick High School, charity basketball game, and this is a cool event. It's not too expensive to buy tickets. All the money goes towards charity, helping people stay off the streets, and also supporting the New Jersey Special Olympics. And at this basketball game, not only are you going to see Antonio Lowry, and yours truly, but you're going to see a, a litany of the biggest names of the last 10 years for Rutgers football, the Mohamed Sanu, Duran Harmon, Devin McCourty, Brandon Coleman. You're going to see a lot of Rutgers guys play basketball. I mean, it's fun, and it goes towards a good cause. So we're going to give out more information about that in the body of the show, but you can buy tickets at the door at New Brunswick High School on Saturday evening, or if you're listening to this Friday during work hours, you can... Go ahead and place a phone call to pick up those tickets. Tweet me at Sam Hellman Scout with any questions about the event. It's the day after the Rally at the Alley bowling charity event at Chelsea Piers. So the other reason that I wanted to have Antonio Lowry on the show is... How do I put this? You know, everyone everyone talks about the, the great representatives of Rutgers, the, the guys like Devin and Jason McCourty like Mohamed Sanu, like Brian Leonard, and they are great representatives of Rutgers, but there's a hundred examples of true Rutgers men, of people that Greg Schiano wanted to build that you don't hear about, and Antonio Lowry is the prime example. Of course, people like the McCordys and Mohamed Sanu playing in the Super Bowl this year, of course they're going to get the the Rutgers fan base's attention and they're going to get more publicity nationally for what they mean to the school. But at the local level, Antonio Lowry is really the perfect example of if you're, if you're a parent sending your kid to Rutgers, this is, this is what you want. 
Because Antonio Lowry, and you're going to hear in his words about it, that's more important. So I'm not going to try and go on and on about it. But Antonio Lowry, because of his experiences with Greg Schiano and the coaching staff and his teammates, has devoted the last six or so years to really complete public service, to helping charities, to helping keep local New Brunswick kids off the street. And that's from a guy that grew up in Miami. He has no ties to New Jersey other than Rutgers, but he's made a life here now. Uh, he tried the professional football thing twice, and it, it didn't work. It doesn't work for a lot of people. But he's made for a, a great story away from the game, and that's what you're about to hear. If you're looking for a reminder of who Antonio Lowry is, or, or maybe you're a younger fan that didn't start following the team until recently, go back and watch the 2009 game against Maryland. This was a game that a lot of fans were nervous. Uh, I I think I might have predicted a Maryland win that week. I, I was at the Targum. I'd have to go back and look. But there were a lot of things wrong for Rutgers going into this game. Uh, Tom Savage, as a freshman, was injured that week. And so Dom Natale had to come in at quarterback and start. The, there were weather issues. I believe they had injuries at running back, too. And this was a game that Rutgers really needed to win. And this was before Maryland and Rutgers were in the same conference, but it was a pretty big game. And so at College Park, first play of the game, Antonio Lowry pick six, takes one to the house, game over after that. Joe Martinek ran for about 150 yards, I think 75 in the fourth quarter to close it out. And that was the year that the freshman team of Tom Savage and Mohamed Sanu took Rutgers to the St. Petersburg Bowl, where Mohamed Sanu, I believe, took MVP honors in that game. It was the send-off for guys like Lowry, for guys like Anthony Davis, guys like Devin McCourty. So if you want a good example of what he was like as a player, go watch that game. If you want a good example of what Antonio Lowry was like now, well, here's the interview. It's my pleasure to welcome Antonio Lowry, former Rutgers linebacker, now very involved in charities, yes. to the Rutgers Scoutcast today. Antonio, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Hey, life is good, man. Um, out here working, working hard, having fun, man. I guess I see you every, you know, what, two, three times a year, so you're still in the, the Rutgers area a lot. For people that haven't followed you since you finished playing, what have you been up to? Um, I've been working at... Um, this charity event for four years now. Uh, I named it Laurie Loves the Kids. Um, pretty amazing event. Uh, we donate half the money to Special Olympics. We donate money to the New Brunswick Play It Smart. And we play, uh, donate money to the New Brunswick Teen Center here in New Brunswick. And the reason why I did that is because uh, since, since playing with Coach Yano since 2006, he, we always went to the Special Olympics, and it was amazing just to see those kids just happy. And for their circumstances, to be that happy, it, I just fell in love with it. And, and it's been pretty amazing. If you haven't been to the game, the second quarter is the best quarter. It's us versus the, uh, the athletes versus the Special Olympics. And last year they bought the, their A-team, a and it, was, it got pretty intense. But, yes, yeah, it's, it's been pretty amazing. So you're... You're giving kids an opportunity to play against Devin McCourty or yes. to play against Kenny 
Is Kenny Britt coming this year? Not this year. He was last year. But, but well, Brandon Coleman is Brandon going. Coleman. He, he could have been an NBA player. If he yeah. Was, oh, know? yeah. Like, he, he puts on a great show, too. But these kids to play against two-time Super Bowl winners, Devin, Deron, uh, Jonathan Casillas. Um, uh, we have Giants. We have the list. We have good 20 players to take pictures with Eric to hear his story, his brief story to it's just to give back and that's the best part because where I'm from in Miami when people came when we had celebrities and athletes come back you always wanted to be that you you had something to look up to and some of these kids in their circumstances to come up to see what we have to see that we're just normal people just giving back is, is a great thing I love it so you mentioned being from Miami. I, I said your Corey Harris is on. The oh list. yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, all the other names make sense. That one doesn't make sense. Jacory, uh, he plays with. Okay, here you go. Jacory plays with Tyquan Underwood in Canada. Okay. So I met Jacory before back home. Uh, side note, I was the only team that beat him, Christopher Columbus. But uh, I met him in in Canada, and we just kicked it off, talked about old times, and then we just became great friends and. He's like, man, I know it's all Rutgers guys, but can I play? I was like, for sure, man. You, you come on through. Um, so other than this, what do you do? What do you do work-wise now that you're done with football? How I, do you, I, I know work, you live in the area. Uh -huh. still. I work at a company called College Recovery. It's for people in drug and alcohol addiction. It's right here in um, Bayard in downtown New Brunswick. So yeah. What? I mean, it sounds like everything you do now is about giving back. So yes. Why? Why did you? choose that path or is it as simple as like you said growing up in Miami that's kind of what inspired you to play football everything I did work-wise was giving back um, at first it was with kids everything I wanted to do was with kids because I knew how it was like where I said growing, where I'm from is like it was no positive role models so I always wanted to give back I give back give back just to see smiles on kids faces just just to see all that is, is it does everything for me and then when um, the owner for College Recovery came in to offer me a job to help people in drug and alcohol addiction, these guys are from 18 to 30, but it's still in helping. I'm in the helping business. I like to help people. I like to see smiles on people's faces. That's what I do, and that's, that's what God put me here for, to help people. So you're a guy that... I mean, you've got a list here of a lot, a lot of your teammates that have made it in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You you pushed for it. You mm -hmm. played some professional football. But sometimes people look at, at guys like you or guys that didn't have the 10-year career and mm -hmm. say, oh, well, it didn't work out for them. Well, it sounds to me like it worked out pretty good for you. Yeah. I, I, people like to say, um, Antonio, your friends did it. Why why didn't you do it? Number one, everybody can't make it. It's not, it's not that simple. Everybody can't make it. But I have some great friends. I have great people who I can call, talk to. At the end of the day, it might not sound normal now, but I'm, I'm in a happy place. Like Some people just can't get out of that, I need to keep going, I need to keep going, I need to right, keep right. going. That's not me. I, I gave it my shot, shot didn't work out, I tried again, didn't work out, now it's time to get in the real world and do what I do. My What I do is help people. I do that just like somebody attacked their job. I help people to the best of my abilities. You can ask anybody that I ever worked with or I ever helped. So, yeah.
Um, how closely do you follow Rutgers football now? Because you're still in New Brunswick. You're a long-time Rutgers football guy. I know yeah. you followed him when Antoine was still playing. Yeah. But now, now how closely do you follow him? I still follow him. I, I don't know the names as well. But I'm I'm there. I'm 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 zoned in. I got my Big Ten network now. Um, but I'm I'm still watching. I'm still waiting for big things. I can't wait to turn this thing back around again. What do you think when you look at a Rutgers schedule now? I mean, your schedules were tough, oh, but man, now it's yeah. now it's. I, I I I I can't lie. Like those teams we had, I wish I wish with all my heart we could have played the Penn States, the Michigans. Oh man, that that would have been that would have been great. I, I can't lie, that that would have been everything I wanted and more. What do you think, or how much have you seen from Chris Ash and what he's trying to do, taking over for Coach Flood? Yeah, he, he he's doing his thing. He changed the program around, putting his stamp on it. So we, I can't I can't wait. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. So this this charity basketball event, New Brunswick High School, this Saturday for people listening, it's the day after the rally at the alley. Uh-huh. It's New Brunswick High School, but you can go to the uh, New Brunswick Teen Center this week to buy tickets, yep. or you can call 732-745-5170, or yes. you can buy them at the door, I'm Yes, guessing. yes, either, all three of those. You can do any one. So I've been to, I think, I think this will be my third coming uh-huh. out this Saturday, and it's always full. Yep. So you might want to buy them in advance. Yeah, yeah, I would I would recommend that definitely buy them in advance and get ready for a great show, a lot of dunking, a lot of trash talking. It's going to be fun, so talking a little bit more about your career, what you mentioned how Coach Greg Schiano, who's now the defensive coordinator at Ohio State, everything you did with the Special Olympics, what's what other kinds of things did he teach you or what do you really remember from those days? Oh man, Coach Schiano, he had he 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 helped us out a lot, man. Time management. I would have never he used to make a, they, we used to have to write down our week down in in agendas. We like, why we used to do this? Now being a grown up now it's like you got to learn about time management, how to like when things happen. That chop, that chop. Hey, a lot of us, a lot of people might think it was nothing, but that chop means a lot. I use it to the people that I work with, the kids that I work with. Like, focus on the task. Don't look around at other stuff and then miss the sweet spot and then miss your opportunity. But he taught us a lot of things, and uh, I owe him a lot. He's a great man. So I think we graduated from Rutgers around the same yes. time. What what don't you miss about <laughs> Rutgers and football? I'm guessing that those like <laughs> six ten to ten o'clock classes. And what, what are you happy about? Oh man! Oh man! What don't I miss? Uh, I think the sand pits might. Yeah, I mean, you got you took it right out <laughs> my mouth, man. I didn't want to do it, but those sand pits. The we had to crawl in them, put our face in them. Oh, that that's the one thing that I do not miss. Like, oof, that that. That that's the one, but everything else. If I did have to say the same pitch, but I did it with my brothers. And if you see us now, if you follow us on social media, we hang out still. We do everything together. Everybody's getting not me. Everybody else is getting married, having kids. But um, just going to weddings, baby showers. Going last weekend, we went out to Top Golf. It's just to have a good time. We still. We, I wouldn't trade them for nothing in the room. I think it says a lot that it's been eight years and you've got millionaires coming out on their off season yes. to come help out. Yes. Come help out your charity. I think it says a lot. It's man, when I say I can't even finish the sentence before I say, hey, can you come out? Yes, and it, it, whatever you need me to do. And that's that's how that's how I know how strong our bond is. 
when Eric sends us the uh, requested for the for his walk, no no question about it. I don't care if I'm in Miami, California. I'm coming to the event. That's how we we done so much t stuff together from those 5 a.m. wake ups and all these this stuff. It's just we still talk about it. The wives and girlfriends get mad at us because when they're ready to leave, we're talking about mat drills we had to do <laughs> and how Coach Demo used to favorite malice all the time but yeah malice now who does his own little strength training so yes. it's a paid off <laughs> um so a week from now when this goes up eric legrand's going into the wwe yes, hall of fame yes uh, yes any thoughts on that oh man i'm a i'm a wwe fan no not as much as i am but i i, I hear you okay besides no who's your favorite who's your favorite wrestler or favorite group ever ever uh CM Punk's my favorite. Okay, I'm gonna go with D Generation X, and I'm gonna okay. stay with X Pac. That was my favorite. But to see Eric going to that man, that is a amazing thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be there because I'm I'm going. Okay, I'm, I'm going. I think Valone's going. I'm going. I gotta go. I I have to go see this. I, I'm a fan. Um, I remember going to my 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 friend's house to watch like the pay per view one because my grandma wouldn't let us buy it at home. But uh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Then again, you can. Hit me up on Twitter, at Sam Hellman Scout. Hit up Antonio. Plenty of ways to still get involved yes. with this charity for Saturday. Um, why do you think Rutgers isn't recruiting Florida as much now, or is that something that you think Rutgers should always be coming into Florida for Yeah, you, you can't ask me. I'm a Florida dude. You yeah, know, you already, you're biased, so I want to hear your take. <laughs> so you already know. I say Florida, Florida, Florida all the way, all, all the time. But with all due respect uh all the coaches you seen all the coaches down there every school has a big time coach yeah. at fau fiu um florida state uh usf ucf every coach florida state florida they all have big time coaches. so i don't think nobody's going to be able to go down there to recruit but you can't with me i'm too biased i feel like you got to go florida all the way every time so Definitely, I agree with you. I, I ask the same three questions no matter who I'm interviewing at mm -hmm. the end, and they're all Rutgers related. So the first one to you, Antonio, who would you say? Who would you say is your favorite Rutgers player of all time? You know, oh, oh, all time. Oh, that's a great one. Uh, favorite Rutgers player of all time. I'm gonna have to go with with Debron. That's a good one. That, yeah, he 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 made the way for linebackers. Like jumping. The reason why I say Debron is because. He knew the plays before they started. He told us where to go. He was literally a coach on the field. And I was just like, how do you know all this stuff? And as a linebacker, you'd be like, yo, I need to be like that. I, I just I can I can't ever get that those images out of my head of how I used to be in the um, linebacker meetings and he just he knew everything. Now, you, your pick six, that was against Maryland? Maryland, first player. I would say very Devron that play. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, a good one. I, I guess this might be the answer to your sec my second question. But when you think about your time at Rutgers, what is your favorite memory? Favorite memory? That's that's a rough one, man. Because we we had so much, so many memories at Rutgers. But it, it, it's kind of I don't want to say the easy one, the the Louisville game. That's too easy. But um, favorite memory? That's a rough one, man. I, Favorite memory, I would say favorite memory slash what I miss is that locker room. That locker room talk, that locker room bond. Because if you look at Rutgers before, from what we from used to be to how we've been, right. is 
we we weren't we, we weren't getting five star players. We weren't getting four star players. We were getting two star, three star players, and they made us got everything out of us. JB Cociano made us five star players. They got all the potential out of us. Rutgers, that's what we are. We are hardworking. Go get it. We're gonna get the best of the ability out of you. I don't care if you're a one star player or a five star player, and that's what that is. All right. Last question here for Antonio Lowry. You get one more meal at Rutgers in your life. Where are you going and what is your order? I'll get one more meal at Rutgers. This just anywhere on campus. Yeah, New Brunswick area, I, I think is fair. Okay, okay. Not dining hall, not. If you want to pick the dining hall, that's, dining your, that's your loss. Yeah, I'm not going to go dining hall. I'm going to go. Oh, man. I'm going to go. This this is going to hurt my feelings. And Kevin Mallis will test this. Is a buffadilla at Sanctuary. Yes, sir. They changed owner, so therefore it's no more buffadilla. And that hurts my heart. Uh, you might have to go to Hansel and get I, 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 It is. It's, yeah. it's, it's good, but it's not Buffadilla. No, I'm a it's not buff yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. Yeah. You don't got the Buffadillas? All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks to Antonio Lowry, and thanks to the Rutgers College Ave Student Center for hosting our interview session, as I'm sure you could hear from some of that background noise. It's always fun to visit the old student center. And now we are in the Hale Center with our second guest of the Rutgers Scoutcast, and that is Scout National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan. Brian, impressions of practice? Well, you don't get to see much, but you do see a few things just in terms of depth chart stuff, and then you also look at, you know, Duop Mitchell. You can tell he's been in an SEC program working out for four years. It just looks tremendous from a physical standpoint. We'll see how it moves forward. But, you know, some guys look bigger. Um, I think there's more kids that in just in the 45, 50 minutes of practice was open. It, there was some nice things that flashed as far as kids just being able to move quickly. I know Deontay Roberts looked explosive. I don't know if he can tackle. I don't know if he can cover yet. We'll have to find out. But just things like that, but not much. Yeah, I mean, it's... Again, just for people that don't know, we get 45 minutes a week to watch. And in that 45 minutes, it's literally stretching and special teams warm-ups and then maybe one round of position drills. So you can only say so much. Now, you hear and you talk to people and you hear what happens over the whole practice. But as far as what I personally saw at practice one, I mean, what's there to say? It's practice one of spring. People are going to look sloppy. People are going to look physically transformed as well. And I saw some of that. Tariq Cole, I thought, looked really impressive and still moves very well. I expect him to lock down that left tackle job pretty quickly. You already mentioned Duop Mitchell. Um, interesting to see Juwan Harris involved as you know as much as he can with some baseball stuff. That, that was obviously discussed yesterday. Um, but n no one really jumped off the page. I mean, Kamoka Ture looked healthy, which was a rare occurrence, but o overall, I just, you know, it's practice one, and I'm sure that the reaction when people started reading our coverage and people started looking around the internet, I'm sure the reaction was great that Zach Allen was out first before Gio Rochino during warm-ups. Yeah, who cares about that? I mean, that, that has about as much meaning as, you know, anything else that you see on the first day. Big, big deal. Who cares? 
it's you know what it's like the first day of a college class you go in and you get your syllabus and you don't learn anything and you leave I think it's the same with practice you go in you figure out how practices are supposed to be run you get comfortable and then you leave and yeah but with practice you have to come back to the next practice when you get the syllabus you don't have to come back to every you know class well I did of course you did yeah I needed to graduate in three and a half years. Anyway, the look, this was about as productive of first practice for the team as it was for us, because we didn't really get much after either. But it's big in setting the table for the rest of spring. Uh, Brian, what are you looking for when practices actually start to to matter, to, to mean something? Training camp? Oh, I, oh, you mean spring practice when they put the pads on? Um, I want to see how simplified the offense is for the quarterbacks with offensive coordinator Jerry Kill. You know, I, I spoke to some people just who have been around the college game for a while, whether it's scouts, coaches, whomever, talking about just exactly what Jerry Kill will do. And the consensus was it will be a much simpler offense, uh, easier for the quarterbacks to handle mentally. Read into that whatever you want to read into it. That's kind of what I'm looking at. And I want to see if the quarterbacks can get rid of the ball quickly and accurately. And I want to see if the receivers can get separation and get open. And, you know, I also want to see. I'm of the belief that Isaiah Wharton is uh, his best position safety, but he's going to be forced to play corner. And has he increased his speed a little bit just just stuff like that I'm kind of looking for nothing nothing major because I think this is another big learning process with a new coordinator there's a couple position groups that are really going to be complete reboots this season and so that's what I'm looking forward to seeing this spring is who emerges uh, on the defensive line replacing so many guys having so many guys that redshirted or rested last year didn't play much who emerges and then the same for linebacker because while you have a lot of people returning at linebacker, they weren't very good last year. So a lot of the guys you brought in, whether whether it's uh, Ronnie James getting healthy or whether it's guys like Saeem Simmons, Tyshawn Fogg coming and looking to contribute early, I'm looking to see who steps up, but those guys aren't available right now. So how does that rotation work, especially with the injuries that we've discussed? It's And then you talk about rebooting. Rutgers is totally new at tight end. Miles Nash is playing tight end. Jerome Washington is injured. Travis Vokalek isn't here yet. And then the same with fullback, where right now you have a couple of walk-ons. You're not going to see what Jerry Till's fullback vision is at all until DeVera gets to campus. I think you give a, a great point there in terms of starters, and it doesn't make you good to be a starter. It means you're the best they have. And I keep hearing things about, well, they return this as far as starters – you know, and well, how how can they not be good? This kid started X number of games. It doesn't mean you're good. It means it's the best you have. And all you ha- and everybody, you know, will start the discussion again because it's been a while since we've had this discussion. But Chris Laviano was the starter last year for a lot of the season, or part of the season, I should say. It didn't make him good. Okay, so. Let's understand that. And this is a major rebuild. I expect them to be better in 2017. I do. I expect them to make strides, and they have to make strides. But 
just to sit there and say, well, this kid played X amount as a true freshman or this kid played this amount as a redshirt freshman doesn't mean they are going to be a star. It means they are the best they had. Damon Mitchell's barely played a college game. I don't think he's ever started a game, and here he is day one of spring. He's already the starter. That's that's it. You play the guys that are best, not the guys that are most experienced. Yeah, and it does exactly. It doesn't mean that he's an all-world player. It just means he's the best they have at the time. That's all this is, and I think people really have to remember that moving forward because I've heard so many times, well, they have so much experience coming back at this position. Well, that's great. I mean, I've been playing, you know, pickup basketball for 40 years. It doesn't mean I'm really good because I've played a lot of basketball. It just means I've played a lot. It's the same concept. I mean, you can't sit there and say, well, this guy, well, geez, they're going to be much better here because if physically you can't do it, it doesn't matter how much experience you have. So I think that's really important when you look at some of these key position groups. And I'm, I'm curious to see what happens at linebacker because there's a reason Rutgers brought in a ton of linebackers. If they were so comfortable with their young depth, they wouldn't bring in, what, four linebackers? Technically three, but we all know Simmons is a linebacker. Yeah, so from that standpoint, you look at it and you say, all right, that's what you're looking at. They felt so good about the depth and who's at linebacker that they went and got four linebackers. Transitioning into the second half of the news here, it's uh, thanks to Brian Doan, uh, Scout National Recruiting Analyst, for joining us. Now we're going to bring in Brian Doan, Rutgers lacrosse analyst, Ah. senior advisor, analyst, uh, something. Expert. So for the first. Expert. So for the first time. Expert. (laughs) So for the first time in 22 years, Rutgers has a number one rated team. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, I would think it'd be great for them. Uh, are they the best team in the country? No, but they're the number one ranked team in the country, and that's more important than being the best team because you look at what goes on in college basketball. Villanova may not be the best team, maybe the best team in the country over a season, but they're out after two rounds of the NCAA tournament. So yeah, I think it's huge. I think when you look at where the program was a few years ago and you wondered where they're going to take that next step, yeah, they're, they're, they've taken it. And the key, though, is maintaining it, not over, you know, there's been a lot of number ones already in lacrosse. And it's like I said before, you know, when the media schedule's coming up, the Big Ten, and you're talking about some powerhouses, whether it's Ohio State or Hopkins or Maryland, you're talking about some really good programs where you still have to prove that you can reach the NCAAs. Um, because we all know how interesting that selection process is from last year when Rutgers beat Johns Hopkins twice and still didn't make the NCAAs, which was absolutely remarkable. And then, like I mentioned last week, Hopkins goes up and gets absolutely destroyed by Brown in the first round. But it's something you can really build on. It's something you can use in recruiting to say, hey, look, this is how good we are. We're the number one team in the country. And for a school that really needs some good press, and just talking about what happens on the field is pretty good. You, you took the words right out of my mouth with that. Because I'm an expert. With that last statement. It, well, here's the thing. We talk all the time about how a lot of other places focus on the negative all the time. Why, you know, why are the newspapers only writing negative stories about Rutgers? And it's because that's what 
you, the listener, or you, the fan, engage with most, here's a great opportunity for Rutgers and for the fan base because for the first time in my time covering Rutgers, I was on a Rutgers lacrosse conference call. Usually that's the kind of sport where you just call a coach or you call communications person and you get a one-on-one whenever you need it and that's fine so come to your house yeah but i was on a conference call with i think four other newspapers the other day and all of them were writing about rutgers lacrosse i hope that they got good numbers off that because that's what i think fans need to do better is to get excited and to read and interact with the positive stuff instead of totally ignoring when i write about eric legrand or we write about uh Rutgers charity work in Africa or any of the stuff that they do in Haiti like that stuff no one ever pays attention to no they pay they just don't I mean you look at it and two people comment and because somebody didn't mention Rutgers in their top 23 it turns into a four-page meltdown exactly look at go and look at what fans had to say anywhere on the internet after the New York Times finance story a couple weeks ago yeah and you look at it and you say well why does everybody write negative because that's what people react to so I get it but for me, the standpoint from Rutgers lacrosse is, you know, go down, take care of business against Delaware this weekend, and ride the momentum for a little bit and say that, okay, this is kind of fun and neat and cool, and to see that they're ranked number one, yeah, it's an incredible accomplishment in any sport to do that. So, you know, good for them. All right, that was the news, and now we open up the Rutgers ScoutCast mailbag for the week. On-topic question this week, Brian came in an email from Chris, and you can email me at SamHellman, shelman at scout.com, at SamHellmanScout on Twitter, Sam Hellman on Facebook, any way you want to get me a question, great. Sending me a message on the Scarlet Report premium forums is the best way to get involved with that. But like I said, the question this week came in from Chris via email, And I'm paraphrasing here, Brian, but the question is, with all of the talk about Chris Ash talking about players coming in and competing early and recruits always talking about how they see a chance for playing time, how do you think that impacts the psyche of guys that are on the team now when so much talk is about them being replaced? It's no different than any other school. I talk to kids who are going to go to Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Alabama. Name some other schools we got. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick didn't go down to Alabama to say, I can't wait to go down in red shirt, and by the time I'm a red shirt sophomore, I can play. If you want to compete, if you are good, you'll play. And if the players on the team don't view that as a chance to work hard and earn earn their spot or keep their spot, well, you know, then that speaks to the character of them. You know, that's how life is. Anybody who has a job anywhere, if your boss can go out and get somebody who can do a better job for the same price, they're going to do it. And so, too bad. I mean, is, are they supposed to just assume that they're the guys? They should be thinking, you know what, I'm better than this kid because I've been in the program for X number of years. So if that is an issue, then the need to change the culture, which the culture needed to be changed in a big way, 
is about a zillion times worse than I would have imagined it been. I don't think that what you see Chris Ash say in interviews or what you read recruits say in interviews on scholarreport.com, I don't think it's any different than what these players are talked about in the locker room, what Kenny Parker tells them in the weight room. I guarantee you that Gio Rochino knows that 50% of the populace is expecting Jonathan Lewis to come in and take his job. I guarantee you that that motivates him to play better because otherwise he could have left, like Chris Laviano and Hayden Reddick. They knew they weren't playing, so they left. Uh, you can either use it as motivation, which I think the running backs are a great example of this. You bring in Trey Snead, he starts playing right away. They do this the, the knighting thing with him or whatever it's called, and, and that could either motivate you or not. And for a long time, it seemed like Robert Martin and Josh Hicks weren't being motivated. But if you look at spring practice, it seems like they might have gotten the hint. And, and it, so you can either buy in and work harder than those guys coming in, or you can Najee Clayton. All right, the off-topic question this week came from Christian R. on Twitter. And Christian asked us what the best non-sports-related TV show is that we watch. You're up, Brian. Does YouTube count? Sure. Oh, April the Giraffe. Oh, <laughs> it's got to be April the Giraffe. <laughs> that, and here's the thing that's the most intriguing about it, other than waiting a month for some giraffe to give birth that, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's funny to listen, to, to read the comments of people who get offended when other people try to make jokes. So, I mean, I was online the other night checking on something. There were 160,000 people watching a live broadcast of some giraffe laying in a dark stall. It was absolutely tremendous. And then, you know, somebody's asking about when the egg is going to be delivered. And so now a bunch of people get upset and start yelling that there's no eggs for giraffe that they're a mammal and give live birth and then somebody brings up a platypus and it's just it's just it is so entertaining to see how seriously people take things like this so for me right now it's april the giraffe and if not it's either pawn stars or big bang theory oh god oh i think we're gonna have to cancel the podcast my goodness your taste is awful and speaking well, of awful, I do taste, hang out with you a lot. Yeah. Speaking of awful taste, I would say as far as shows right now that are active, you know, not on hiatus, you know, everyone loves Game of Thrones and all that stuff. I do too. But as far as active shows right now, obviously I love The Walking Dead, but I'm going to give the, uh, the shout out to Supergirl. This show, it's on the CW. It's so bad. It's got... Everything you don't want in a superhero show, which is just like romance, drama, and people whining and annoying teens. So, of course, I love that show. Give it a watch. And you're ripping me. I, like I said, speaking of bad taste, I watch a lot of bad television because I watch a lot of bad football, too. So <laughs> I was going to say that, but I, I bit my tongue. That's all right. Because I, I you live in Middlesex you. County? I do live in Middlesex County. But All right, that's the mailbag for this week. Thank you. Well, it's an insanely busy week for me, but I will do my best to get you another episode of the Rutgers ScoutCast on Friday and every Friday on the Scout Network, iTunes, Stitcher, I think SoundCloud, a bunch of stuff. So by the time you're listening to this, I'll probably be in New York City because Friday is the rally at the alley with the McCourty Twins 
And then afterwards, I'll be covering the Sweet 16 at Madison Square Garden to help out some of our friends on the Scout Network. Saturday morning, bright and early, I believe at 8.30 a.m., 9 a.m., practice starts uh, for Rutgers football. After that, some of our Scarlet Report members have a get-together on Easton Avenue that I hope to make a cameo before I head over to New Brunswick High School that night for Antonio Lowry. You see me at any of that stuff, come say hi. It only gets busier as Rutgers practice continues, and like I mentioned, I will be with Eric Legrand and his group all weekend in Orlando, Florida next weekend for WrestleMania. Look for me on TV. I'll be the obnoxious one with the Bailey shirt. This has been another episode of the Rutgers Scout Cast. Thank you for listening. Please let Antonio Lowry know you enjoyed hearing from him. I believe Facebook is his preferred method of communication. You can also say it to him in person at New Brunswick High School tomorrow night.